Hey everybody, uh, once again, welcome to Youth Ministry and Mentorship 101. I'm Eric Jean-Baptiste and just wanting to say that, hey, ministers need to grow in their relationship with Christ just as much as any member. So we're going to talk about that and other things with today's guest. This is Youth Ministry and Mentorship 101. Welcome back. Today, I am graced by the presence of, with Sarah Cadet. Uh, should I call you, is it appropriate Sarah's to call you? Sarah's just fine, yeah. Sarah Cadet is just yeah. fine. Okay, I was going to go for pastor or, or whatever, but uh, if you like Sarah Cadet, that's perfectly awesome. That is just so, fine. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing really good, actually. Um, you know, it's the holiday season, so people are a little nicer um, in the community. So I'm doing well. Awesome, awesome. All right. Um, with that, let's uh, start off by having you give a short bio about yourself and what led you to where you are now in ministry. Okay. So long story short, um, I knew I wanted when I was younger, I remember going to my family and going to my mother and saying, I either want to be a teacher, I want to be a pastor. But I was told that women can't be in ministry. And so I was like, okay, I'll be a teacher. Uh, so I went into English and secondary education for my undergrad in New York. Um, right after graduation, I was in a position actually as a preschool teacher. But what I was told is that if I go into my master's and anything that has to do with um, elementary education, that I can keep the position and make and get a what is it, get a higher pay. Um, as long as that would be my next move. And along that time, while I was done student teaching in the high schools and middle schools, and I was teaching as a preschool teacher, um, the call to be a pastor was stronger on me. Um, I told the Lord, it can't be, cause your word told, told me <laughs> that I can't be a pastor. Um, but the tug was stronger and stronger. And after my kids graduated from preschool, I remember looking around in the classroom and saying, this isn't it. Um, and God made it very clear to me by a servant sermon by Pastor Edley Benoit that I had to come to Andrews. And so right now I'm completing my, M my master's in divinity. Um, not saying that I'm letting go of education. I know that's still part of my call, but this is a part of my call that I was trying to deny for so long. And so that's long story, the long story short of my bio. Wow. All right. There's uh, two things I want to highlight from what you said. Um, and the second thing will be a question to you. 
But the first thing I wanted to do is uh, give a little shout out to Pastor Hedley Benoit yes. because uh, <laughs> it's interesting how um, you know certain ministers and preachers can make a lasting impact by their words, um, especially when they're led by the Holy Spirit. And um, I remember a long, long time ago, back when he was just a preacher, a young preacher, uh, Pastor Edley Benoit preaching a sermon called What Time Is It? And it's still one of the sermons that I remember. I mean, I've heard hundreds of sermons and a lot of them have gone in one ear and out the other. That sermon is still in my mind. So uh, I wanted to give him a little shout out. And um, Wow. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, um, yes. that sermon, uh, you mentioned it. It still made a massive impact in your life. Yes. Let me ask, did, have you ever gone up to him and said, man, that sermon? Oh, yeah. He knows. Um, <laughs> he awesome. knows. Um, after the sermon, because... What had happened was this. I was asked that day to, it was education day in my church. Mm -hmm. And I was asked that day to go and give like a speech kind of a thing. Um, and so I said, okay, Lord, what am I going to say? And I made certain points. But the last point I made was that there is no peace outside of God's will. Like when, when God calls you to do something, you will not have peace until you walk into that, you walk that path. And so Edley was actually running late. And I think it was, I think it was a divine thing because God knows if he if he made it that he was there, I think I would have been like, well, it's just a coincidence. Maybe he just, you know, it, maybe he's just repeating some of the things I said in my speech. But he was running late. He hadn't heard the sermon at all. I mean the speech at all. And when he was preaching, he was hitting the same points that I hit in my speech. And he ended with the fact that you, there's no peace outside of God's will. And he was giving his testimony of how he left um, law, I believe, to come into ministry and all these things. And I was just crying. And so right after, I was like, this is what happened. And this is what I think God is telling me. Um, but I don't know which school to go to and all this stuff. And he was like, oh, no, you have to go to Andrews. <laughs> like, just mm -hmm. clear that. No, you have to go to Andrews. Um, and then, so he knows. He's very aware that God used him for me wow. to be here. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. And the other thing I wanted to touch on is something that I've noticed a lot is um, there was a time um, that you thought you couldn't be a, a minister. You couldn't be yeah. a pastor. And yes. uh, was it told to you or it's. Oh yeah. Um, it was told to me. I don't want to say by who right now. Of course. Cause I, yeah. Um, but you know, cause they were kind of like, Oh, you know, that's nice, but you know, women can't be pastors. Right. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then even when I saw female pastors um, in New York, I always heard how they were spoken about and how that's not God's will and that's not a good thing and all this stuff. And when I looked up sermons about it, um, the people who spoke against it, they were very angry and very adamant about making sure that people knew that it was something frowned upon. So my experience was, okay, this is really not a good thing. It might even be something demonic or evil, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reason I brought it up is because I, I, it's, it's something that I've seen repeated. It's not uh, what your experience is not uh, isolated. There has mm -hmm. been um, other women uh, who have 
openly stated that that's been told to them. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is how uh, a person will say that and then the Holy Spirit says something completely mm -hmm. different and lead them into ministry. Um, and you just gave that experience with uh, Pastor Edley mm -hmm. and how God was really speaking to you to that day. Yeah. And it's 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 interesting. So ha has have you ever thought about that? Like, um, let me ask this question. Like, mm -hmm. after that experience and you know, and now that you're, you know, in seminary, have you ever thought like, man, I wish I could go back in time, get in a DeLorean or a time machine and go tell my younger self, like, don't listen to, you know, these naysayers. The Holy Spirit has a special, something special for you. You know, part of me wants to say yes, but part of me also says no. The reason why, if I could go back and speak to my younger self, I would tell myself, yes, no matter what anyone says to you, follow the Lord. And that the road is going to be bumpy, but follow the Lord. He knows what he's doing. But I wouldn't tell myself everything because I had to have those experiences with God in order to trust him. Like I had to go through the moments of doubt. I had to go through the moments of it feels like, you know, the, the world is telling me no. And you're the only one, Lord, telling me to move forward because it caused me to depend on him 100%. So I don't think I would have changed much. I would have just told myself, no matter what, listen to God. Wow. So yeah. It's a, it, that, that's awesome. It's like you wouldn't exchange your road for anything. No. <laughs> it's so funny, but maybe that's what they call wisdom. You gain wisdom. I wouldn't. Now, uh, there's a song. Um, Fantasia did a rendition of it, and that's why it got became popular, but it's called Necessary. And the song is saying, I am who I am today because God used my mistakes. And it's basically saying your, your, your journey was necessary. And the way that I see my journey, I say, thank God for every bump in the road, for every problem, for every issue, for every naysayer, because I don't think I would have depended heavily on God the way that I do now had I not gone through those things. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's like the you, you you find even though during the low places in your life you're like, yeah. man, why am I here? Oh, but then you get to the high place and you you look down and you say, man, thank goodness I was there so I could appreciate yeah. the high place. And yeah, and I think that's what you're basically saying. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, um, Sarah. You know I will go here because uh, I've done this many, many a time. You are Haitian and you yes. grew up in the Haitian church. Yes. Um, could you let us know, like, uh, you know, what part of the country and like, how did it, how, how was your upbringing kind of? Okay. So I was born and raised in Long Island, New York, um, but I was raised in a Haitian household. So it's like you're... <laughs> like you're really being raised in a little a little Haiti kind of a thing. Um yeah, but that was it. I was okay, so in my upbringing, I will say this though. I went to church on Saturdays with my mom, but when I was babysat by my aunt, I went to church on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And that's where I got actually I went to a few I, I, in my childhood, I experienced a few different churches from Baptist to even um, the Catholic church. 
but because I was being babysat by my aunt. Um, but a majority of my time was in the Haitian Seventh-day Adventist church. Yeah. So when, when, you, when, I, when you talk about your upbringing in the Haitian Seventh-day Adventist church, what word comes to your mind? You know, <laughs> wow, I have to be honest. Please, be I honest. think my first answer would be painful. Wow, <laughs> and I wish I could say something different, but I have to be honest. I'm going to say the first thing that comes to my mind is the word painful. Wow, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, you I'm, had. I'm stammering, but um, I, I have the question yeah. I have to ask is, uh, could you elaborate on why that's the first thing that came to your mind? I would say it was painful because, and I don't think the Haitian church is the only church who is has experienced this. This is just my experience with my church, my culture. Um, I think the extreme conservativeness and the a lot of the hypocrisy as well. Um, I think when I started off in church as a kid, right? When you don't really get into any positions, you love it, you go to Sabbath school, you have fun, you're on fire for God, you believe you can do anything and everything and everyone's encouraging you. But once you start getting into the positions, you don't realize that you're getting into politics um, and, and cliques and clans and things like that. And then once that starts happening and you see the hypocrisy behind the scenes, I think that it burns you. And I often tell my friends that I feel like I was so on fire for God at one point. I didn't care about what anyone had to say about me or think about me. I just wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And then I got into positions in the church and I felt like I lost myself. And I went from trying to please God to trying to please people. And it's only recently that I finally shook that off again because it's you can't please God and please people at the same time. Um, but that's what I learned. Um, and it's also painful because I see how so many of my loved ones, and when I say my loved ones, this is where I go from just talking about the Haitian church to the, all the churches, my Hispanic friends, um, my friends from different cultures, African-American friends, how they all just left the church for the same reasons. And it's for the same things. Like I have people who I love and care about, who I know um, have left the church. Some people I know left the faith entirely. Um, for what they experience with the people inside the church and the pain and the hypocrisy and the judgment and the prejudice and all of these things. And when I think about that, for me, it's just painful. It's so, so painful because I think what happens is when you get hurt by the church, you get scarred in a way that you kind of begin to see Christ as the people that have hurt you. Mm. And so instead of just leaving the church, I see how many of the people I care about kind of left Christ as well. Some of them hold on strong and I'm so happy about that, but many of them left Christ as well. And that's just painful. Yeah. It's um, something that 
uh, once again, I'm going to say it's not an isolated incident. It's mm -hmm. something that I've seen a lot of. And the, the reason I, I talk about it is because I love the Haitian STA community. Yeah. And I, I think there's nothing like it, but it's something that we need to talk about and be honest about in the yeah. fact that um, we got to show love to our young people. Yeah. We got to encourage them. We got to have honest conversations with them. Yeah. We got to, um, you know, uh, one thing, I, if you don't mind, Sarah, if thing that's coming on my mind is I think of all the times I got advice about um, in, in ministry in particular. Um, and the advice was tailored to please people rather than God. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's why I'm mentioning that because you said something that I think is really key is when you stopped pleasing people, yeah. um, you started pleasing God and you found joy and peace. And, yeah. Well, at least for me, I found joy and peace. And it was yeah. extremely liberating. Yeah. When I, when I stopped, yeah. um, you know, I stopped following these certain, you know, laws that yeah. they were put on me, not not biblical laws, but laws that they said, you got to do it like this, or you're not going to um, be accepted. Listen, and, <laughs> yeah. in every church that I have gone to, I notice that whatever the predominant culture is, whatever is taught religiously, it's often the culture that is taught, not necessarily the religion. And what I try to explain to some of my loved ones is what you're running away from is not necessarily the Adventist church and the Adventist message. It's not even, uh, you know what I'm saying? You're yes. running away from things that are toxic within your culture. Do not get them mixed up. But it's hard when you're only raised in one context to understand that, no, this is something that occurs within your church, within your culture. That doesn't necessarily mean that it is biblical. It doesn't necessarily mean that it is God himself. So I, I guess it's, you kind of have to, whatever church you're raised in, and in our context, the Haitian church, you have to look at what is biblical, what is of God, and what is not. And what is not, uh, don't let it stress you out. You hold on to what is of God and what is of him, what is biblical, um, to enrich your relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I, this, I think this is a conversation I've had over and over and yeah, I will continue yeah. to have it because it's something that will, um, we will see if this starts happening, you will see young people embracing the church, oh, embracing, yeah. embracing, um, uh, because if I think about it, if there, if, if the, you said that the term toxic things in the culture, um, these are things that we should want to hold on to, period. No matter what culture it is, Asian, uh, Seventh-day Adventist, um, you name the ethnicity, you name the style of life. If there's something that's toxic in it, you don't need it. It's not mm -hmm. something that we should hold on to and mm -hmm. say, well, it's something that 
my parents' parents and my parents' parents before, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you know th- th- this is why things such as racism, um, sexism, misogyny, um, exactly. you, go down the, you go down the list. These are things that we don't need to have anymore, um, especially when we educate ourselves and we care about other people. And Sarah, this is why I'm not, I am such a person who talks about this all the time. Mm. I love young people and I yeah. don't want to see them leave the church. This, yeah. And this, I, the light bulb clicked one day and I saw that this is the reason. It's yeah. because we are putting something ahead of yeah. our love of God and our love of people. And you know, one thing I think too, Eric, because I don't want to forget it. When I at first seeing young people leave the church, right? That's alarming and that's scary. No, they're leaving the church and forget just the church. They're leaving God himself, right? That's scary. But then I started to look at it. Why are they leaving? And when you look at why they are leaving, that they are leaving because they see injustice, that they're leaving because they see hypocrisy, that they're leaving because um, they see things that are done wrong. Now I have to look at it in a positive light. That's a good thing, that their eyes are open, that they can see this is not how it's supposed to be. Now, how do we take that positive thing? Okay, they see that this is not a good thing and show them that it's okay to recognize that something is wrong, but it's not okay to leave God himself. And it's not okay to, how do I say this? Let me word this like this. Sometimes when you see something wrong, it's because you're called to be a change in it. It's because you're called to come and do something different and be something different. So how do I, now seeing the issue, Lord, how do I strengthen my relationship with you that I can be in the church, but I can represent you and not do the very things that have been done to me? Mm. That makes sense. Yes, it makes so much sense. And and I love how you said, that you see it in a positive light. And that's that's a positive thing. That means they they our young people dislike injustice. Our yes. young people dislike hypocrisy. Yes. These are things that Jesus disliked. So, so we are teaching them who Jesus is. So they recognize who Jesus is yes. and they like him. And that's the interesting thing. They're they like Jesus. Yeah. They have a problem with those who say that they are followers of Jesus. And yes. It sounds similar to that famous quote by Gandhi. And I I have no problem with your Jesus. It's your Christians I have a problem with. <laughs> Christians. And um, I think what and I think one of the reasons I have this podcast is I want all generations to hear this and say, we gotta listen. We gotta listen yeah. first. We got to listen first. We got to close our mouths. And um, one thing, Sarah, I don't know if you noticed, when they do have the intergenerational conversation, um, I I saw this actually watching on a live stream of a church. They had a pastor and some young people, and the young people were telling how they feel about the church and stuff like that. And one thing I saw that they did incorrectly, uh, the pastor, is the young person said, you know, this is what I experienced. This is how I feel when you come at me in this way it it diminishes me and and uh, you know pushes away my feelings and stuff like that 
And then the pastor said, well, you got to understand this is what. And then I said, no, don't do that. When a young person comes and says this, 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 and this, what we got to do is close. Before we say you got to understand our. No, no, no. Close that mouth and say, take a drink. You know, I'll I'll illustrate for those who are watching. the. I'm I'm drinking some water. You got to. Yes. Drink some water and say, oh, okay, tell me more. Mm. You know, um, instead of, well, because this is what happens when they do that. They're basically saying, I'm not going to change. Yeah. Basically, you need to learn to be okay with what I do. Yeah. And a young person with intelligence and reasoning saying, no, mm-hmm. I, I explained that to you so you can change. Because what you're doing is incorrect, especially at least if you want a relationship with me. Mm. And if you just diminish, I, I have to move on. I have to go find somewhere else. Yeah. So, so have you witnessed that? Have that? Have you seen that? Oh my my uh, my former church <laughs> get in trouble. Um, yeah, they had many of those meetings that weren't successful to the point that. You know, you hear when the youth are like, I'm not going to another meeting. I'm not going to another discussion. Um, wow. So I see it and I see it uh, I see it a lot. And sometimes I wonder to myself, um, will anyone get it that we have to actually listen? Mm. You know. Wow. But then again. Maybe that's, you know, you're here and I'm here and maybe that's why we're here because God is sending forth people who do listen and who do understand and who do want to hear what the youth have to say. Um, and maybe that's why there's this, there's, I feel like there's a shaking and happening, but you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to, no conspiracy, no conspiracy. No, oh man. I just find it a little odd that it seems like everything's being shaken around us. And maybe that is happening for a reason because God's people are standing up and saying, we want to do different. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Um, You said you didn't want to, but I have a feeling that I'm going to say it then. So it'll come on me. I'll get in trouble. (laughs) Uh, If you're saying there's a shakening, I I, I completely agree with you totally. Because right. the Seventh-day Adventist church, its identity was made with forefathers who were younger than actually I am now. Yeah. Sister White started when she was a teenager. James White yeah. started in his early 20s. And uh, it's really interesting that in the year 2020, the mm-hmm. young people who were able to really function well on social media, mm-hmm. YouTube, um, knew how to use Zoom. Um, knew how to light their screens and actually talk to the webcam um, and use technology, all of a sudden they became the most crucial and important people in our church today of all cultures, um, all denominations, because we went into a pandemic. And if you want to say that's a shakening, I completely (laughs) agree because... You don't want to use them still? Yeah, God's God basically said, "Listen, I have a prophecy, and it's gonna happen." And it's gonna uh, happen. So, um, if like you, it or not. there you go. Uh, you know, God God made a twelve-year-old rebuke a high priest. Yeah, so that's yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. So yeah. You, think, you think you can't do something to make young people 
become the the leaders and the yeah. the ministers of today and I, I, 2020 was yeah. the year 2020 was the year uh yeah. i mean the, people were dismissing a lot of these leaders and then all of a sudden they had to come knocking on our doors yeah <laughs> i'm not I saying use the zoom i need help with the zoom i need help with the internet with the snapchat all of them yeah uh, uh, yes it, it it's so Basically, what I, I think what you're saying and what I'm saying is if there is a time to listen to young people yes. and empower them, it's it's now. It's now. It's, it's now. There's the time has the clock has run out. It is the yeah. midnight hour. Um, the statistics are out. The data is out. And um, the world has give empowered us. Yeah. I mean, if you're not. Sarah, let me say this. If you're not empowering your young person in the church right now, there is a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. Uh, there is a social media uh, initiative that will give them some good money, yeah. empower them, and you will be kicking yourself. Yeah. And God's work will be done with or without you. And this, I think, is not only a warning for the older generation that's still trying to hold on. It's for even that the middle generation, right? So um, tw 20s to 40s, kind of 50s kind of thing. I'm going to cut it at 40 or maybe a little above 40. Um, for us not to become that mm. and try to hold on to things and not pass it on. Because God's work, God's will will be done with or without you. So it's either you partake in helping this next generation take their place and train them and love them and care for them, or God will send someone else. Mm. It's going to happen. And I think that's what a lot of people are experiencing now with their churches dying right before that, right before their very eyes, wow. you know? Um, you, you mentioned a really powerful thing in the fact that the middle generation, so the because right now, um, I'll just be honest, the majority of SDA leadership, at least in the North American division, is uh, administratively. Um, I don't know a mu that much about pastor. I think the average age of a pastor is a, a little over 40. Mm -hmm. um, they are very close to retirement, and most of them are, yeah, the baby boomer generation. So there mm -hmm. is going to be a massive shift where yeah. we're going to see a lot of Gen X and older millennials yeah. now come into power. Um, but this is a cautionary tale in the fact that once we get it, not to don't do the same thing. Don't exclude Gen uh, Gen Z and the yeah. alpha generation. Got it. Especially not during the end times, because God isn't playing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. See, get it together. Or he's going to move you along. Um, if there was ever a time for us to put down our, our differences and put down our preferences, it's now. Mm -hmm. um, because God, it just feels like God is almost weeding us out. Um, and it's either you are a part of what God is doing or you're not. And I think that's where I see such society going. Like people are clear now about, um, to be honest, even with this election, this election, <laughs> the stuff that I saw people posting on Facebook who are going to sit here and probably sit next to me at sat in Sabbath school, you know, 
um, people are very clear now with, um, with the evil that's in their heart or the love that's in their heart. People are going out of their ways for ministry and people are going out of their ways to make it clear that they have hatred in their heart. And I feel like society is moving towards this. It's either you are with God or you're not, you know, you're either helping his people or you're not. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you say that. It's like, wow, yeah, I never even saw it like that. It's like it's becoming more clear. Oh yeah. But what's interesting about it, and let me put my take on it, is that it's becoming more clear to those that have discernment and actually really have a close relationship with mm -hmm. God, because they're the ones that are saying, "Uh oh," but the ones that don't have a, they have a false. Mm. And they, so they're thinking that they are correct and that it's mm. all they are safe when it's um yeah wow wow, wow. yeah so Sarah um thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me but I definitely want to ask you um a few questions and one of them yes is you get to have a church they give you a church praise mm -hmm. the Lord finish seminary and they give you a church um, and they even make you senior pastor all mm -hmm. right um you know and and you know that that, that should happen one day uh mm -hmm. but they have that happens and now you have this influence and leadership position over you know god's people over this flock how would you promote um intergenerational relationship mentorship um making sure that you are empowered within mm -hmm. your church i think for me personally uh it's i'm just gonna say it how it how i how it is i'm not gonna sugarcoat it i think for me it's not an option um, the way that I can show them that they are empowered is to make sure that they have positions where they are empowered. Um, in terms of intergenerational, I would have to go according to how God leads because I know no matter what, right? Because it's not about people pleasing, it's about pleasing God. I know that there are some places that God will send you and he's going to say, listen, whoever's against it, just shut them down and keep doing what you're supposed to do. Put people in position where they're supposed to be. And there's some places where God is going to say, tread softly, because it's not that their heart is in the wrong place. It's that they don't understand. So I feel like uh, I would have to go in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But one thing is for sure is to empower the youth. I have to make sure that they have positions within the church, even if that means creating positions for them. Because sometimes people want to hold on so much to certain things and you have to kind of create things um, before they're willing to let them go. That makes sense. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful sense. I, I, it's, it's like you know, at that position, you can really emphasize and say in the mission that, hey, this is our identity. Yes. Um, and I think that's basically crucial when it comes to youth ministry. We have to remind people that this is our identity. Our identity is empowering young people and letting the Holy Spirit use them in a mighty way. And that doesn't mean um, stepping down and you sit, you you get to be inactive. What it means is you're actually more active because you're training the next generation and um, 
that is actually uh, that's more work actually (laughs) but when we're telling the older generation we need to give the young people a chance and then they some of them are like well then i'm gonna have to be the one sitting down no you're the one that's now going to be teaching and training and when they have an issue they're the one they're gonna be you're the one they're gonna be calling so you're actually going to be more busy um but also it's more fulfilling because you get i love how you said that because in any church that is really functioning nobody should be sitting down um it's just that the position, but then again, this goes back to culture, right? Certain cultures, certain positions are uh, associated with status. And so someone giving up their position almost feels like they're giving up their status. Yes. And I think in our Haitian church, we have that too, to be the head elder or the head deacon. That's Ooh. my status. And so when you take that away from me, it's almost like you're taking away my significance or importance. And so, and so, but if we did not have that, everyone would be doing what they're supposed to be doing within the church because you don't feel like one is higher than the other. Sarah, you just, uh, you just, you just said something that uh, I'm about to go into a rant right now because it's something that has been on my heart for so long. I've been talking about this for a while. The whole issue of uh, pos- when you're waiting for a title to be bestowed upon you yeah. instead of just knowing that you have it because God has called you for it. Mm-hmm. That is such a major deal in the fact that now that you have, because this is what happens when you tie status to a position. Um, once you have it, now you now you actually are going to sit. Yeah. Because because that's your goal. Your goal is to be held elder. Your goal is to be an elder. So now what you're going to do, you're going to sit because you have reached your goal. You are complete. And what it is in the church ministry is you are never supposed to feel that way. You're supposed to feel uncomfortable with your relationship with Christ. You need to grow in it every day. You're uncomfortable in how your church, because we got four baptisms last crusade. No, we need 20. We're not comfortable. So I, we have we have relationships with ten people in the church. No, I need relationships with all. There should be no comfortability in the st- the status or the title. Oh, I'm a master guide. Oh, I'm a pathfinder. No, 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 no. Yeah, you need, you need to realize that God has called you for something amazing before you're even ordained by man or given a leadership is influence. And if you're not influencing anybody, you're not a leader. So yeah, you need to dis. Abuse yourself, or you know, dissociate from the feeling that title and status equal status. No, yes, you are already given status by the love and um, life of Jesus Christ. He already died for you. Yes. You are a prince in His eyes. So exalt that by doing what God has called you, yes. with or without a title. Yes. <sighs> And you know something, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be wrong, but it reminds me of how the pioneers were big on calling each other brother and sister. So it's not doctor so-and-so or pastor so-and-so or whatever. It was brother or sister. 
And now, you know, we would think of it and say, oh, that's a little extreme. But now that I see it, think about it, I see the purpose is so that you remember you are a brother or a sister. Your your title isn't your identity. And so when you come into church, you don't come into church like, oh, that's the pastor and he's higher than me. That's the head deacon that he's higher than me too. Uh, that's the head elder, so they're higher than me too. And then, oh yeah, when we go to eat, right, right? All the head elders and head deacons and the pastor get to sit on the nice table with all the food served directly to them. But then I get to just go on the line. You know, it's like we have a hierarchy in the church. But if all of that is done away with, you don't go into the church thinking this one's higher than me or this one's better than me or I'm better than this one or I'm better than that one. You go into it believing everyone here is equal. We are brothers and sisters. We just have different functions for a time. I mean, yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, the likening of the old covenant to the new covenant. Yeah, um, you can be pastor or head elder written on a church, but if you're not that person in someone's heart, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it, you can have more influence with no title whatsoever, zero yeah. title, and you can be the person that young people go to, that they trust, and that they that they know that they are loved and accepted uh, yeah. because uh, let me tell you the person who changed the world the person who we still worship to this day never yeah. was ordained as an elder yeah never had the title priest never was given the title pastor never was even even accepted as a prophet mm -hmm. in his own town um but he still changed the world so as you can see yeah so as you can see Sarah, that's a topic that's been something I wanted to rant about. So thank you for letting yeah. me do something. And you know, and that's why for me, when you said, do I call you Pastor Sarah? Just call you Sarah. I'm okay with being called Sarah. And this is my reasoning behind it. Um, I know that I'm going to be in the educational field. Yes, I will be preaching and pastoring, but I will be in the school system. And so for me, I think of it as I'm Sarah and I'm God's daughter. And the things that he uses, the vehicles that he uses is just, they're just vehicles for me to do the same thing. So I go to the church and I preach, right? But I go into the schools and I teach, but my teaching and preaching, it, once you start to get to know me, you realize there's sometimes one and the same. Um, I'm just, it's like he just moves me in different positions to reach different people, but really doing the same thing, you know, representing him. That's why I'm okay when someone calls me Sarah, unless it's like, I know like some people it's kind of a snarky thing. It's kind of a, like, I'm not going to call you pastor. Cause I don't believe. And even with them, I'm like, it is what it is. You know, I can't force you. Um, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is I don't mind because my identity isn't in my, in the positions or the roles that God has me in. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I have no problem calling you pastor, because I know <laughs> if, if God has called you that, who am I to disagree? So mm. why, why am I going to fight against God? So Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving your two cents, your insights, your story, which is a powerful one. Um, as I usually do on this podcast, I end with giving guests a chance to say some words of encouragement. So um, 
right now there is a young lady out there who is being told that she can't go into ministry mm. uh, what words of encouragement can you give that young person follow jesus because at the end of the day not one of these people pay your bills <laughs> not one of these people died for you on the cross and it is scary but god has you and his call this listen this is what i tell um people <laughs> It's gonna sound extreme, but this is why I tell people. I say, if there's a female pastor, I guarantee you it's either she's straight from God or she's straight from the devil. There is no in between because there is no benefit <laughs> for coming into this ministry. So if God is calling you, you're going to have to trust him 100% that he knows exactly what he's doing. And it is scary. Um, and sometimes it feels lonely. But what you begin to see is, as much as there's so many naysayers, there are also a lot of people who will see Christ through you and they will encourage you and they will be with you along the journey. God has friends set out for you. He has mentors sent out for you. Um, trust him all the way. It will be okay. So that's what I would say to any young girl. Go, go, go and follow the Lord all the way. He has you 100%.